Hi, everybody, and welcome to the new edition of the NSL's podcast. I hope everyone's keeping well who's listening. Usually freeze the crowds. We've went for four, so there's four of us on today. Myself, Stephen, Anthony, Ross, and John. How are you all? Good, mate. Oh, good, mate. Thank you. <clears throat> That's no problem. It's good, great to have you on. I think it's the more the merrier. That's the saying, isn't it? Everyone oh, has totally. a chance to get Everyone has a chance to defend their frustrations and get their points across, which, which is what this show is about. But we'll move on to the, the latest topics, so to speak, if there's much to talk about Celtic Football Club in a minute. But thankfully, we've come up with some sort of a show, so hopefully people who are listening will enjoy it. So Celtic put out recently a poll to start the, the Player of the Year Awards. I kind of laughed at it, to be honest, because it's like the audacity. They put out these tweets and still we go back to it. There's no communication of what is actually happening with the management, with the structure of the club, with the long-term vision. But leaving all that aside, Anthony, I want to come to yourself first. Can we actually pick a player of the year through the shambles that we've seen? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a... When I seen it, the picture myself, Stephen, I thought, oh, God, that's a bit of a, a redneck, to say the least, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's really been very little uh, to choose from. This year, it's just been such a disastrous campaign. Um, it is very difficult to try and pick one. I suppose maybe from the, the young player of the year standpoint, you would maybe say um, young young Welsh. He's, he's came in, sort of flung in at the deep end, so to speak, and, and you know he's made that position his own, really. Um, so I think in some ways he should be he should be recognised. Whether or not he would qualify for the, the full player of the year, I'm not sure. I don't know if he would still fall into the young player category. You could maybe make a case as well for, you know, David Turnbull perhaps. Although again, he didn't really get his chance until the middle of the year. So you know, can you really say play to the season? It is it's, it's it is a really difficult one. I, I, there's not really Christopher Iyer maybe, but again, it's not going to. It's not the most prestigious of awards to to pick up. I think you're you're right there. What you're saying, it's it's a bit of a. It's, it's a no-win for me. I mean, the players this season, all of them, maybe bar maybe the likes of Turnbull, who's only been there half a season, will play in anyway. Sorrow, Welsh. It, there's, there's just, they're slim pickings, isn't there, really? There's there's just, um, there's nothing to choose from. If you go through the starting lineup, I don't know about yourself, Ross. Does, does anyone really stand out for this award? Barcast Ross, isn't it? Oh, God, I. God, oh, my. Don't even... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think like when when you've failed so spectacularly in probably every goal that you've set yourself as a team for the season, then it's as, as Anthony says, it's a total redneck, and it's it's not an accolade if I was part of that team that I would be happy to accept or boast about. Um, I mean, there, there's not one player that I could say. Deserves it. Anthony's touched on the guys that you could possibly make a slight case for. Uh, I think probably the only one that I was really looking at would be Turnbull, just purely for how he's established himself in the team in his first season. Uh, I know it obviously took him half a season, but wasn't it really his fault, I don't think. Uh, he just wasn't getting picked. Um, but he's now, he's now one of the first names in the team sheet, and he's the future of the Celtic midfield uh, and you've, we've got to essentially re, rebuild the team around him and McGregor uh, so for that standpoint you would maybe you would probably say him um, uh, possibly Ayer as well but I, uh, as I've said it's 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 a redneck uh, really 
to be talking about it when we've not even got a manager in the door. Or no, I, I again, it's, it's like as well, Ross. Turnbull maybe is the one that sticks out, but again, Anthony touched upon it. Yeah, the whole season does half a season really count? Is that how bad that all the players have been? I think I think it's true. They really have been that that shambolic, to be honest. And it's a bit like during it get when you have your Christmas dinner and leftovers, and you go back down the next morning hoping for some turkey trimmings or stuffing that all that's left is Brussels sprouts. That for me is, is what the pickings <laughs> like. It's, it's just it's just pure stink. And like John, I, I don't know about yourself. Thankfully, you brought up a good point. So there's the young player of the year, and then you have to go to fans player of the year, and then player player of the year. If you if you had the choice now, who would fill them? Who would fill them for you? Yeah, I mean, Anthony and Ross have both touched on it. I mean, there's nothing else I can really add to that that's any different from what they've already said. It's just you've got a number of guys that you can count in one hand that are even remotely worth mentioning. Um, Welsh just because like he says he's, he's been flung into a position uh, and he's made it his own he's, he's he's played his part, he's done really well so I think that warrants giving him some sort of recognition um, for that uh, and again, like he says Turnbull and Ayer are the only other two uh, at least first team mainstays uh, maybe not so much Turnbull given like these guys says it's only been half a season but they're the only ones that I've actually seen playing for the jersey and that, so uh, it is a bit of an embarrassment, but again, it's an annual thing, and it doesn't just stop because the, we've had a bad year. Um, it's just That's just what happens, isn't it? It'd be interesting yeah, so to see... It's a traditional thing, John. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, I suppose we've had, we've had poor seasons before, and, and the awards have still taken place. So, you know, we can't just um, revel in the, the glory days. As, you know, sure. we, we do have a lot of them, but this year clearly we haven't um so yeah i mean it's definitely not a case of you know cancelling the awards or anything like that it's just when you when we're in such turmoil and that comes up on your twitter feed you know vote now it's sort of like oh my god is you know it's you know it is a little bit head in hands but yeah obviously the awards must go ahead absolutely actually um, it wouldn't surprise me at all sort of ross uh, if the select fans this year just given the fact that it's been a bit of an embarrassment this season for across the board, whether uh, the fans who are voting are choosing to actually give you guys like Turnbull Wire uh, that recognition, or if they're just like the club have done uh, in recent months, just take the piss and give it to somebody like Barkas, or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, leave my Barkas alone, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to, it's probably harder to pick a player of the year now than, than it is to pick it when we're playing well. Uh, for different reasons, uh, but just everybody's been so poor that you can't pick somebody out, whereas normally they've been really good and there's maybe one or two or three vying for the player of the year. Now it's like nobody wants it and nobody can pick somebody. It's a bit like it's a bit like the team this season. They're all hiding now. Now these awards are out. You, you can see Turnbull and Alex down hiding behind the sofa. Just don't pick me, please. Don't pick me. Don't associate people. Don't I associate me with that season. Nah, I mean, I, I still think there's still a bit of prestige in it. I mean, like because, like you say, most of the guys it looks like anyway for the outside looking in, these guys' heads have dropped off down too. So, if a player that's deserving of it that has come in, the likes of Turnbull, Ayer, that have been playing. Uh, well, uh, and I've been trying to get the rest of the boys fired up and try to make a bit of a difference. Then, still getting that recognition still shows them that the fans see it, and it's not just a case of, well, why why should we bother because we've had a bad year? It's like I think it's still something that these guys should be playing for, and the fact that, that, that these boys have been getting recognised for it would would certainly at least 
in my opinion, should still have some standing. So I don't think any of them should be hiding. I agree. Like it's the young players, especially likes of Welsh. I'm going to put nail my thing to the carpet now. So for me, I would do Welsh young player of the year simply because he's come in, took his chance, and he's been a mainstay recently now in the, in the back four. I guess he probably hasn't done a lot to set the set the Heather on fire, but again, he's been steady. He's put on a shift and he's done his job. For the player of the year, I would have there's only really one option, David Turnbull. If um, Sorrow kept playing, it could have been between the two of them. But I'll go back to what John said. I quite like the idea of the Celtic fans taking the piss and giving it to someone like John Joe Kenny, just to, just just for a laugh. Like, but I mean, there there is still some prestige of these these awards, hundred percent. But it's frightening when you look at the team, the likes of Edward, Ellen Lucene, McGregor, um, going, uh, Iyer, them types of players we're not even considering for these awards. I know Iyer was mentioned there by a few of us, but there's some parts of the Celtic fans that don't really rate him as well. And I don't know about you, Anthony. How bad is that point they are season? If you're looking at the likes of Edward and stuff, they're not even being considered for these types of awards. Yeah, it's a, it kind of speaks volumes, really, doesn't it? It's just been, it's just been that that poor campaign. Um, I think once these uh, awards are sort of done and dusted and out the way, we'll just be glad to kind of look forward and uh, just put this very much in the in the you know put it behind us and. You know, obviously, a lot of these guys will move on as well in the summer. And uh, yeah, here's to here's to new beginnings come the summer. Yeah, who would you go for just just before we move on? I'll go to all three is individually. Who who would you go for for the awards? Yeah, I'd I'd give it to to Welsh. Welsh for the young player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I I would probably just I, it means I think Petrov one year that the, the team maybe I can't remember one of the years where I'm, I actually think the. They actually won both, so yeah. If if he if he's eligible for both, I'll give it I'll give it to him. What about yourself, Ross? Yeah, I would give it to Turnbull. Turnbull and John. Ah, uh, Turnbull for me as well. Yeah, I mean, again, <clears throat> the awards is kind of a as Anthony said, you see it in your Twitter feed, you're kind of you're scoffing at it. But we've given we've we've given our opinion who should get the awards. If anyone disagrees with that, please let us know in the comments on YouTube, on Twitter, wherever it may be. We'll be happy to have a debate with you. But we're going to move on. Quite interesting, this next object. I actually missed it. I actually missed it on top of this last um, Friday and was raising about that when it came off her. But we'll talk about it now. So we've seen last week the big the big six. Uh, I mean, it was laughable, the clubs in that. But we're trying to break away for this European Super League. Basically, to cover their own asses with their debt they've put themselves in by living above their means. They're just wanting a big paycheck to try and clear themselves out of that. Obviously, that crumbled within 48 hours due to loud pouring from fans, from uh, people who support the club from expert as well. But again, then another rumour appeared the next day. The British Super League. Now, I'll come to yourself, Anthony, first for this. This for me is quite interesting. <clears throat> and I feel as a Celtic fan, I'm, I'm pretty sure the majority of Celtic fans have once said Celtic need out of this day to progress. How do you feel about this situation that is appearing again? We've heard it for so many years. It could be a breakaway, an Atlantic League, a cross-border league, if you want to call it that. Where do you stand on this? Do you think it's hypocritical, hypocritical from the the European Super League? Uh, yeah, I think there is a, a, a touch of hypocrisy about it. Um, purely from a Celtic standpoint, Stephen, I have to say I've got a hell of a lot of concerns about it. I, I must admit, and I completely accept some of the challenges we face. We are, you know, where we are geographically, and we're so close to the, you know, the the big one falls are down south, but at the same time, so far away. But I think a British Super League, it, it, it's not something that I would personally throw my weight behind. And I think there's, 
um, a lot of things that a lot of fans just aren't really thinking about in terms of, I think they see the sort of almost like the Dermot Desmond view of it. Oh yeah, we'll go down at the very least League One or the Championship. We'll work our way up. We'll get all the money. We'll attract all the players and we'll we'll progress from there. But I think what a, a, a lot of fans aren't really taking into account is a lot of the practicalities of what, how such a setup could ever get off the ground. And I'm going to credit um, our friend of the show, uh, Mr. James P, um, who done a tremendous article on it on Friday night, actually, funnily enough, that you said you, you were, you'd hoped to mention it on Friday. And um, I'd asked him if I could you know, use some of his um, arguments here. Um, and, and like yourself, I think he's perhaps open to it, but he does throw up a lot of the a lot of the things that could go wrong with it. So I'd um, I'd said that I would sort of raise it tonight, and I would advise anyone. I'd encourage anyone to go and go and read it. It's a, it's it really sets out a lot of um, the issues with it. To to start off with, um, if if Celtic and Rangers, because we're assuming that the two would would leave mm-hmm. Scottish football and join this 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 Super League, um, the chairman down south continuously say they don't want us, and the Owners up here, are, you know, they're not too fond of us either, to be fair. So I think people forget just the amount of concessions that would have to be agreed to from both sides of the border and the compensation level. We're talking hundreds of millions of pounds here. Um, every club, north and south of the border, certainly in the top league in Scotland and, in, you know, I'd say that at least the top three leagues in England, um, would look for some sort of um, compensation to make allowances because you would have to say, well, how many teams are going to be in the league? How many, you know, that's home games, a redu- reduction in home games for a, for a lot of these people, uh, for a lot of these clubs. So it would be, you know, where do we even start? So that's just that's just getting off the ground. That's like, you know, the, the, the first part of it. On the other side of it, you look at perhaps the... And you know the most important thing that we said about with the Super League um, was that the fans weren't being listened to. Now we we sort of romanticise a, a wee bit about oh it'd be great going down you know watch us play at you know the Emirates or the Etihad or Old Trafford and things like that. But I think the reality is we wouldn't start at that level. And is is anyone that's ever visited down south um, wearing a Celtic shirt on on a pre-season friendly? We are not overly welcome down there. Celtic fans. From, and it's not just you know a couple of hours on the bus up to Pataudry. You're talking weekends away down right down to the bottom of England. You know that's financially how much can the ordinary punter really afford that long term? And you would be walking around with a target on your back. You know you see these you know English defence leagues and you know you know right wing morons like that that see your connection to Ireland and you know perhaps the sort of Irish nationalist movement. You know that they, they see that they, they they actually can't tell the difference between the two, and we would be very very vulnerable. And likewise, Rangers, although in certain elements they're they're more welcome down there. You know, people have got long memories down south, and they'll remember the scenes in Manchester um, and 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 so forth. So, I think financially and and just you know in in terms of the fan experience, I, I don't think it works. And most importantly, I would say in terms of the ethos of the club as well. Now, I accept that football has moved on in the last 120-odd years, but if you remember what this club was formed for, the club we love, do we really want to say, for the sake of a a bit of silver, and that is all the Premier League trophy is, or the Champions League. It's It's a very big, lovely piece of silver, but essentially that is all it is. And do we really say a club that was formed for charity and to feed the poor, do we really want to be one of these clubs that are, you know, 
bidding a hundred million pound for a player and be willing to pay him two hundred grand a week. You know, I, I accept that there's a lot of big changes need to happen in Scottish football, but this is our home. We're a, we're a Scottish club with proud Irish roots, and I think us joining one of these sort of, you know, joining one of these playgrounds uh, for the sake of some some scraps, it, it it just doesn't work for me at all. I, I can see. You know, they'll say, oh, it's all about progress and, you know, t- times change and stuff. But I think there's other ways, um, probably more, you know, humane ways of, of sort of raising our profile than uh, than joining the circuits down south. Yeah, I mean, I get what you mean. I have to admit myself, Alfie, you've, you've opened my eyes to some issues there. I haven't really thought about myself. I'm a bit naive at all where I see the money, I see, I see the flash, I see the bling. And you're going to yourself, maybe something could do with a bit of that. Because if you look at it from a fan's perspective, we're being just left behind as a club, and I, I know, I know, financially, we're, we've been left behind for years. But the gap's getting even bigger. And if you look at the likes of the likes of small clubs in England, they can challenge us in the transfer market, pay bigger wages, and sometimes for me that frustrates the absolute bollocks clean out of me because we're a far bigger club than they'll ever be. And I have sat with my grandfather before, and we spoke about the possibility of a going down to England because it was spoke about in the early two thousands. I think it was voted down as well as you said. The chairmans are too keen. And I get the whole the whole point where an Irish root club or found it on charity, family, and that kind of thing. But looking at it from a different outlook than, than many a Celtic fan would, how how long can you stay uh, in situ and just let the clubs in the world breeze on because we're afraid to go down and challenge the norm or break away to a different league? Now, I'm not saying leave the Scottish League leave it up shit's creek, so to speak. I mean, as you said, there have to be concessions agreed, compensation for clubs, loss of revenue, that type of thing. But one day, surely, I don't know about yourself, John, one day, surely, Celtic must be looking for something bigger. Mm, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, I, th- I think, like, especially uh, in my younger years and that, and um, like you say, it's been that this is, this is a, a subject that's been brought up constantly and nothing ever happens. And as Anthony quite rightly touched on, it's, these clubs down south don't want Celtic and Rangers in the league. Um, they, these clubs and these guys are well aware of the size of the club, the the support base, uh, their pulling power if they were in that uh, that environment. Um, and I, I, I certainly and I firmly believe wholeheartedly that they they actually it makes them sick to their stomach at the thought. Uh, a Celtic or Rangers going down there, uh, splitting the big six, so to speak, uh, potentially winning uh, the English Premiership, um, and they they don't want to see something like that happen. And they would, I think, firmly. We know, and I'm not. This might just be me jumping the gun a bit, but we know how corrupt football is at times. And they would do everything in their power, even it didn't matter how well we were doing. They'd do everything in their power to make sure that didn't happen. Um, and I just think that I the 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 prospect of going down there and being able to well bringing in all that income that money being able to spend retain players sign players uh, is it I, I can see why people like the the sort of the idea of it but I mean I, I firmly believe as Anthony rightly says we, we belong here um, and we as a club should be playing our part along with Rangers and doing everything we can as a club to help improve the, the league structure we've got up here and doing the best we can to promote the game here. And I think that everybody should be doing the same. 
uh, like Anthony said as well, these, these other clubs, they're no fans of us. They don't like the fact that we're as big as we are. And we've essentially got a monopoly uh, in the Scottish Premiership at the minute. Uh, and have done now for a number of years and it doesn't look like that's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and maybe the prospect or, or maybe they're thinking with us out the picture it gives them a, a better opportunity, but then they need to, like Anthony said again, he made some fantastic points, the compensation package they would expect because the income they're going to lose for not having those uh, those games during the season, um, and again, the the calibre of the Scottish League, no disrespect to everybody else, but it will drop significantly, um, the sea efficient would likely it'd be harmed by it, um, and I just think that it, uh, overall, if you look at the bigger picture, the, the, it would have a, a far more negative impact um, for Scotland overall uh, than maybe just, I think, it would be, like, like a, it's hard to sort of put any words because, like I said, I, I've been on the fence and I, I, I do like the idea of going down there and showing them up and letting them know that they're not as big as they think they are. Uh, and we know it all comes down to money and having that money and being able to do what we sign those players and no losing players to the English Premiership uh, would would be fantastic. But at the same time, uh, I love the fact that we're, we've done what we've done, being part of the Scottish League. And I just think we, we should be doing far more uh, in terms of helping build the league up here rather than focusing on this pish about British. And that's another thing, by the way. How can you call it a British Super League when you're only inviting two teams? Um, by and large, it's still. It's all. Every team down there, bar Swansea and Cardiff, is English at the minute. Inviting Celtic and Rangers doesn't make it a British Super League. And that's just political point scoring, as far as I'm concerned. And that's another thing. I won't get into all that because that's going off football. Uh, but it would be used for political point scoring as well. Um, and mm. it would harm any sort of chances. Or they would try and use it as a tool to harm any chances uh, Scotland uh, become independent in its own right as well. So I, I, I think the bigger picture and the, the long-term picture says that we need to just focus on making the Scottish league, the Scottish full league structure, top to bottom, uh, as best as we can. Yeah. I mean, see as well for me, John, you brought up some good points there. I, I've said this before to my friends who support teams in England and stuff. I very rarely watch an English Premier League game. Or even highlights like match of the day, and that's me being hundred percent truthful. Anyone who knows me will know that. It's like I watch these games down south, and they proclaim to be the best league in the world, best entertainment in the world. And the games I've watched, especially this season, they're boring, man. They're absolutely yeah, you're right. They're so boring. They don't have that heart and the passion, and that's another thing. You look at that. uh, We maybe even touch on this later, but that game there, the Scottish Cup game, and congratulations to St. Johnson. But that that's what football's about. That you don't get stuff like that in England, man. That the passion and the heart in it is completely gone. It's lost its soul. Didn't it you? has. And, but up yeah. here, we still have that. The fans are still passionate. We still have that. You've still got these these teams that, that are, are still got something to fight for and then they have results like that. And you can see what it means to the, the St. Johnson team. They're, they're still on the running now for a, a domestic cup double. And that that's yeah. normally something that's unheard of. And that's what we love about football. And you don't mm-hmm. see that down south. And it, 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 England and the money they've got, for all the glitz and the glamour and everything else, they're essentially killing the game, and that has been made evident by this big six nonsense about European Super League and now trying to find other avenues uh, to increase the revenue further 
it just yeah. leave it, man. Let it die. Let that bubble burst because it inevitably will. At some yeah. point, it's got to. And I've I've got visions here, John, of um Ross scratching the table and just biting his lip. I think, um, go ahead, Ross. Give me your point on this. What, what what's your opinion on this on this pretty super league? <laughs> um, well, first of all, right off the bat, I will only hold my breath on it happening. Uh, I, we've been here numerous occasions, uh, and it's never it's never came to fruition. It's never developed, and I don't I don't see it happening again for a lot of the the reasons that Anthony and John have have brought up. Um, but on on it itself, uh, I mean, initially when I'd heard that, I thought, well, if you're against the, the European Super League, then you should be against Celtic and Rangers going down there, not in sticks. Uh, but, <clears throat> I mean, I would like to, whether we'll get to, but I would like to hear sort of more in-depth proposals on how it would work and uh, how how the money would be filtered. Uh, I mean, it would, for me, if it was to happen, it would, the money would have to be filtered fairly, and none of it could be to the detriment of the rest of Scottish football. That needs to be looked after. Like, if Celtic and Rangers are going to go, and Scottish football is going to be affected by it, then don't go because that's that's no right. That's that's selfish reasons, and it's essentially Celtic yeah. and Rangers are being what the the so called inverted commas super clubs were uh, but I mean if they did go and it was fair and the, the league wasn't affected the other 10 clubs might end up prospering with, with Celtic and Rangers no in the league as regard they would have the opportunity to go and win a league title and it would be open for four, five, six clubs to be able to do that um, that, that would then bring the possibility of uh, Champions League football uh, to the, the league winner, albeit, I mean, it would be a big ask uh, for to qualify for that. But, uh, I mean, done in the right way, it could be a win-win for Celtic and Rangers and the, the, the other 10 clubs that were left. Um, but, I mean, Anthony brought up, he raised a lot of really good points that, like yourself, Stephen, I hadn't thought about, but... Um, I also heard that they spoke about the idea of keeping like a, a sort of B team in the, in, in the league, uh, in the, an league, so like a Celtic and Rangers B team, if you like, uh, which, I mean, that would have its good points, as in it, it would probably benefit our youth. Uh, but whether the other clubs would go for that scenario, I'm not sure. Uh, they might take the stance that if you're going, you're going, and that's it. Um, but I mean, I think eventually Celtic and Rangers would both prosper uh, if they did make that move, uh, and that's a really nice thought. But again, it's it's got to be done in the correct manner, and no other club should suffer off the back of Celtic and Rangers leaving. Uh, but I mean, I all that said, I still think it'll be a total non-starter. But it's. <coughs> I would like to I would like to hear more in depth uh, proposals to how it's going to work before I really like shut it down. But I, d- I just don't think it's it's going to come to fruition. I think it's just all talk off the back of the Super League, uh, just people gesticulating and 
saying we'll do this now. I, I just think it's all talk, really. But yeah, I think as well, Ross. We're actually on the kind of the same wavelength, which is quite shocking to be I, fair. But I was, <laughs> I was sitting thinking that when you were talking, I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> And say as, say as well, say even the mere mention of the British Super League, I don't know if you've noticed, Celtic's stock price rocketed up. I think it was 17% or something coming up. So there is obviously things to gain, things to lose. And you, as Ross rightly pointed out, if if it's going to affect Scottish clubs and where we're actually from and what league we're in, it's a non, non-starter for me. Because that's been our league. That's where Celtic win their trophies, we win their trebles or go to trebles. That's where our happiest memories are. And if football changes in the next five to ten years, then the Scottish League will have to change with the, the the climate of football. And that, as John rightly said, we have to promote our own game better. I think we're always down on the Scottish game when there's some fantastic games. And you look at the, the, the Scottish Cup game last night, and, or was it yesterday, St. Johnson went through. Brent, kudos to them. They're on for a domestic uh, double. And usually that's only the, the Glasgow Derby and the Glasgow teams that do that. And it's fantastic. It's the excitement, it's the passion. And you've seen that in the celebrations as well. And you go down to England, it's, it's it's diluted. You can see it, even watching the players. They're just caring about their appearance. And Paul Pog is dancing with... It's, it's madness. But before we move on from this, Anthony, I want to come to these all again. I think this is interesting. Obviously, the, the British Super League, a couple of us are saying, yes, it'd be a great idea. And there's more saying no. And it's a bit 50-50 or whatever it may be at the moment among Celtic fans. But another interesting idea that I said in the group chat would have been, what's your opinions on a a domestic cup competition between the Isles. And I was saying today that the Premier Sports took control of the rights of the, the League Cup and then they're calling it the Premier Sports Cup. But it just shows you how easily things can be done like that. Would that be something that you'd be for, Anthony? Now, now that is something that I could perhaps <clears throat> see myself getting on, on board with um, a bit more. Unfortunately, it would probably end up meaning the end of the both League Cup competitions you know, I'm just trying to think purely for through fixture congestion. Um, they would have to probably do away with them. So, uh, for, of the two that that currently exist. So, if that was going to happen, you know, I, I think they and they, then they would have to have. You know, I would imagine. I mean, would Stranraer be able to draw Manchester United, or would they have to go through? I don't know some sort of again qualifying campaign to get into you know the last. A hundred clubs left, or or whatever, you know. It, well, obviously, there's it's, gonna, uh, obviously, obviously, there's going to be ins and outs to it and stuff. We're just talking from a merely perspective point of view here. But if yeah. that was an idea, not looking at the the, the galleys of it and the competition rules and that type of thing, if it was sorted out and there was a way clubs like uh, Forfar Falkirk could play League One clubs in England and stuff in a competition like that, would yeah. that be something that that would get you going? Yeah, I mean, I must admit that that sounds. I would be more, far more open to that than the idea of simply Celtic and Rangers going to, you know, joining the uh, down south because that that does sound like something that could financially benefit the whole of Scottish football. I mean, it'd be, it would be great. Let's be honest. If if uh, if something like that did come to fruition, and then you know, you could just imagine, you know, Albion Rovers at the Emirates Stadium. I mean, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> that, that, that 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 just it even just sounds better than. I would away at Portsmouth this weekend, mate. You know, just just <laughs> even the, the I, I I definitely I I could definitely get behind that more than uh, simply Celtic and Rangers joining the, the English Premiership. Yeah, I mean, you can you can hear your voice. You're far more upbeat about that one. What, what about yourself? <laughs> Where you stand on a domestic cup competition? Who is that for? Me, Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. 
Um, I again, it's, I, I, I really don't know. Um, I am at a loss here. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I would be up for that or no. It, it depends on again. TV deals uh, would would Scottish football if Scottish football was going to benefit for it financially, then I would absolutely be on board. Board, uh, but then there's, I just think like, would it be a bit a bit pointless, like a bit of a pointless trophy? Because in the end, the the teams in England are going to have more money. Only two that could possibly challenge towards the latter stages of that competition would be Celtic or. Or Rangers, and in the end, it is most likely if you took done it ten times, it was most likely going to be an English club for the Premier League that will win it the ten times. So the only the only benefit I could see is if it, it boosted the coffers financially for Scottish football. Um, but I would I would I would be more open to Celtic and Rangers going down there as long as um, the other. Well, as long as Scottish, it wasn't to the detriment of Scottish football. See, for me, Ross, I have to disagree with you there because Anthony made a great point. It's like, if that happened, looking at it from a totally mad point of view, but if Albion Rovers, their fans were down the Emirates for a day out, that would be their best day of their lives, no matter what the scoreline would be. And I think there has to be an element of some kind of restructuring within the, the Scottish football and also the Premier League as well, because as John Reddy said, this money bubble is going to burst at some point. And uh, maybe a cup, maybe a cup competition over the border might benefit. And, and you don't even know. Obviously, the the rules and stuff we don't know. We're just speaking because it's an idea that we're brought up in the, in our group chat. It, it might be something to be talked about in the future if if they can't agree the Super League nonsense. But what, what about yourself, John? The the board, the the cup competition. What, what way you stand on with that? Uh, I, I'm firmly on the same page as Anthony in that respect because I think like it, it means that we we still we keep the integrity of the Scottish game and there's no clubs moving either way so it's like you've got that going for it but it's it's not like it's never been done before either they've had these sort of British Cups uh, historically as well mm-hmm. um, usually to mark special occasions or certain events and things like that but uh, we know it can be done uh, and we know uh, if it's got the right batting, then it could be lucrative, and that that benefits everybody, uh, especially smaller clubs um, across the board and, and both sides. So, I mean, I mean, you'd have to obviously see what what the plans and everything else are, uh, and what the proposals would be. Uh, but I certainly think it's far more viable option than uh, us going down to the English Premier League. Uh, or any yeah. talk of a, a British Super League, but a British Cup, then, like Anthony says, you'd probably have to scrap just for fixture reasons, scrap the League Cup or the whatever what cup is it, the Carabao Cup or whatever the fuck they call it down yeah. there. But um, I, uh, but again, like Ross says, we're, at the end of the day, you're still competing against teams with this kind of money. Whether or no these teams take it as seriously as they they do, uh, or would continue, because we've seen them even these days it's like they don't take their cup competitions all that seriously they put out weaker teams and things like that so I don't know it, 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 it's certainly a, a far more uh, viable and exciting option for me um, and, and I'd be I'd fully be behind it but again you'd have to see what the proposals are and, and make sure that again it benefits the, the, the league structure in Scotland and the clubs up here and not just a, an invite for Celtic and Rangers to join 
that kind of nonsense. But yeah, I mean, folks, we're talking about leagues here, right? And we don't even have a manager in place for next season. If I mean, that's that's <laughs> mad enough. So my next point here is the Celtic manager bus is it broke down, stalled, or blew up. What what are we, Ross? Here because we've heard nothing, and we're, we keep talking about it. Every day in our group chat, we argue about it. We're getting in heat at the baits. And w- what's going on? What do you think's going on? Um, I don't think it's broke down. Um, I think, uh, let's just say, I think it's fueling up and getting the once over before the changeover of the shift for the drivers. And it's all good because the new driver was in bed at 10 o'clock last night and is well rested and absolutely ruined to get started. Have <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, that's outstanding. Who's <laughs> uh, a new driver, Ross? Who is it? Uh, uh, that's he's that's yet to be announced. Um, I don't know. Uh, I still think it will be how we've been over this. I'm not going to get again. Um, I mean. I want it to be how probably, which is making me think as much that it's going to be him as well. But I don't know. I, 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 there's there, there's mitigating factors as to why Celtic haven't announced a manager yet. What they are, we probably don't know. But uh, I mean, right now we just the the, the silence coming for the club as. It's it's deafening, but I refuse to believe that there's no behind the scenes work going on. We've had a bump in the road, and it's it's a huge and uncomfortable one. But we just need to keep riding it out because Celtic will come up trumps for us. They will. It'll be bad for a lot less time than it will be good. And I'm yes. just sitting here waiting for it like a coiled spring. <laughs> I thought your your analogy there was brilliant. It was funny, like, but the the way I the, the way I'm looking at this is, uh, John, you, as as Ross was saying there, it's like it's like the the car is going in for a service, and the new driver is going to be announced soon. I, I'm called Miss I'm called Mister Negative all the time for bringing up all different points and looking at things from an outside point of view. Why? I mean. As Ross said as well, mitigating factors. That was that's been the case of our season and stuff. We never found out. Neil Lennon actually said them. I think he said them words in one of his press conferences as well, didn't he? About the season. So these mitigating factors have been around since the start of the season. Why is it so hard just to tell the supporters that at least they're, they've they've narrowed it down to one or two people? And if they can't announce it due to like non-disclosure agreements, but well, just give us something. It's, do you know what I mean, John? Because Mm-hmm. You can see mm-hmm. you can see Celtic fans getting angry. We get angry with each other all the time. It's crazy. You think we didn't like each other half the time? But <laughs> what what's your opinion on this thing on, on the managerial situation? I mean, Mackay's been in a week now, and nothing's really happened. Yeah, no, I I, I do, and I agree with what you're saying. Uh, it wouldn't be hard for them to release a statement, just let the Celtic fans know stuff's been done. Um, that they've 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 narrowed it down to so many candidates or they've got stuff in place or anything like that. Nobody's saying you have to say a name, nobody's saying you have to announce anything at that point. But just some, gear some. That's, I mean, we're not asking for much, right? Like, how, Aberdeen done it within mm-hmm. days and had a manager appointed shortly after that. So, I mean, I don't know why the Celtic board are, are being so tight-lipped and why 
they're refusing to even come out and just acknowledge the fact that or where where they are in this current uh, managerial hunt or where, where they stand and uh, just to gear something instead of us all just sitting here letting papers run away with absolute shite stories linking everybody and their mother and their dog with the the, the, the job and they just need to come out and say uh, the slightest of things just say look this is where we are we've narrowed it down we've got it's down to these not even names just we've got it down to two candidates some's going to get announced soon or even just come out and say that like we're going to announce it on this date just gear some like Denny, I don't see why we're continuing to drag it out the way we are. But like uh, Ross said, there's a lot of factors we need to take into consideration in terms of the appointment itself. Uh, I'm firmly uh, on Ross's side there where, where it comes to Eddie Howe. We, we know it was widely reported. Uh, it's been reported by established and respected media. Mm-hmm. In that sense, uh, no Twitter, which is shite. None of these rags... That are just spouting. They're bringing up a new name every other day, right? <coughs> so, when you look at the, the more established media, right, and 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 they they're no in the habit of reporting on stuff unless there's anything behind it. We know that in terms of how there's an agreement in principle, whether the reason why that's no been announced or anything like that official capacity uh, will likely be because there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Like you said, there may be a non-disclosure. Thing there, there may be some sort of contractual obligations between uh, Eddie and Bournemouth, which I've heard about. Again, this is all just hearsay, but these things can cause things like this to be to cause these delays to happen. Uh, if Howe is getting these back room staff in, uh, then they're still under contract and nothing maybe can be announced until that's done, uh, or maybe they just want to announce it like when they know everything's over the line and everything's a hundred percent, and it might not be there yet. Um, so I, I firmly believe how is still the the leading candidate for the job, and, and that that has already been agreed. But the, like you say, the longer this drags out, the, the the mere uncertainty it creates amongst fans, and the mere arguing it causes, uh, or not even arguing so much, but just debates, because you start then picking up on stuff with Twitter, Stephen, uh, like this picture that's floating about the new between Wilder and Lennon. Which we you had a passionate discussion about in the group chat. <laughs> um, Always passionate. But I mean, these are the kind of things that that, that put sort of Celtic fans on edge because there has the silence for the club has been deafening, uh, and the fact they're not coming out and squashing some of these rumours or just putting stuff in place and allowing that sort of that media train to sort of roll to a stop. It's just it's going to continue up until the point when the announcement has been made. Uh, and I wouldn't take stock in anything that you're seeing, any rumours that you're seeing by papers or Twitter. Um, only if it's announced by an established place, a media outlet. Like I know for all, for all we talk about uh, Sky Sports being the big problem uh, in terms of uh, the money in England and all the rest of it, but for a news perspective, they tend to be on the wall and they don't report on just hearsay or nonsense. They wait until they've got confirmation and for official sources and stuff like that. So until yeah. something's actually announced for an official capacity, just take it with a pinch of salt. I have to go back off the ca- back off the canvas or I got knocked down so many times by your sly digs. <laughs> <laughs> well they weren't necessarily being sly, but well the point I'm trying to make is anybody can put out a tweet, right? Ross, you've got a picture with you and Neil Lennon in a pub. No, right, we're not going down that road. No, right? no, but no, this is the point I'm trying to make. You can't take the word to some random after street with a Twitter account who maybe has a couple of thousand followers you you, you put out a rumour 
it, somebody shares it, another person shares it, this is how things go viral, this is how things pick up pace, and then people start believing it, right? And then that's what the next talking subject's about, and that's what everybody's talking about, and then it, oh, oh, so, so-and-so is going to be the manager, or so-and-so is in the running. It's pish. It's all pish. Right. You've made, you've made your point, right? Just to come back to you on that, just before I move on to <laughs> this current situation, right? That picture for me speaks more than the, the hearsay we, we've seen or heard from various sources, well, whether why? it's respected, Again, whether it's right. You've seen... No, listen, listen, let, let me finish, right? So you're looking at a picture of Neil Lennon, former Celtic manager with um, Wilder and a third person who nobody knows, having a pint at a pub in Glasgow, the location, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Why would Wilder take himself to Glasgow for no reason? Well, there, there, one, has, there has to be a purely, and I know what you're going to say. There could be friends, there could be catching up, but when have you ever seen Wilder and Lennon in the same company? You've never well, seen that. That doesn't so, mean there's no friends. But let me just touch on that, right? Other than this picture going viral, um, do you know the exact location there? Is that being confirmed? I am not some sort and of when IP it was expert. taken. All right. I so I, listen, just, we have, I'm just putting out points to you, Stephen, right? So we don't know when this photo was taken. We don't know where it was taken. We're only going off whoever shared it and what they're saying, right? It could have came from anywhere. Now, Wilder and Neil Lennon might well be friends. We don't know that. We don't know what their social circles are like, who their mutual friends are. And I touched on all that. I said all this. We, these guys played in England uh, around about the same period for the English clubs. They could have had mutual friends. They could have became friends themselves. Through that, it's no one heard they. It's like the football world is, by and large, uh, it's a small world. People know people, and people can be friends. They can develop friendships for numerous reasons, and there could be numerous ways why these are connected. And another one is you've got the ex-Sheffield United manager sitting with the ex-Celtic manager, right? So I, okay, your natural reaction as a Celtic fan is to think, oh, does this mean that Wilder's connected with the job? Then you have to ask, well, why is Neil Lennon involved? Why is Wilder, or, or is Wilder just kind of sounding the job out with, with Lennon asking him about the tit, etc.? Or you could look at the other route, right? Since mid-March, nearly two months now, Lennon has been linked uh, as one of the top two, top three uh, leading managers for the Sheffield United job. Um, and it could well be that Lennon's been approached or sounding out him for that reason. We, this is what I'm saying about people taking things and running with it, right? We don't know the context. We don't know the dates, right. the locations, right. anything. No, no, let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. <laughs> because this is this is what bothers me about this the Celtic... No necessarily Celtic thing, but Celtic fan base at large, right? They take things and they run with it when there's no substance in it whatsoever. They'll share it and they'll, they'll say anything. It was the same with Marino leave Tottenham. First thing that's happened is he's linked with the Celtic job. Naturally, right? Because the Celtic job's vacant. He's a big name. Everybody is going to get linked with the job, regardless of whether there's any substance in it or no. Uh, if you see a picture shared and then somebody says, oh, this is Marino, he, he was seen up in Glasgow, and you kind of confirm it, and people go, oh, why is it up here? Like, people need to stop believing all the shite they read on Twitter. Twitter's the worst, absolute worst place to get your news for. There's nothing in it at all. And it just, it pisses me off. And that this is why I'm still going on about it, or essentially I'm ranting, and I apologise for You're that. You're taking up the whole podcast, come on. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just the end, man. I'm going to quash it right now, right? Neil Lennon, unemployed. Wilder, unemployed. That's the Monday Club. just to put it it into context before before we move on that photo that I seen today which is Tuesday the 27th of April I seen earlier on Twitter Neil Lennon and Chris Weiler and a third unknown person were pictured at a pub 
having the pound together. Read of that what you will, take John points on, and that's fine. All I'm saying is watch this space. Something may come of it, something may not. It's just out there in, in the public domain for people to see. But coming to, to yourself, um, obviously in regards to this bus, it feels like I ran away from the bus with John's rant there. But <laughs> it's in term in terms of a situation, right? There's a phrase that goes around Ireland. I don't know if you've heard it over there. Loose lips, <laughs> loose lips, sink ships, right? Do you think the Celtic board are taking that saying to the extreme and literally just not giving us anything? Well, I, 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 there's a few sayings I've heard uh, with the term loose lips in them, but that's probably for a different show, mate. Um, but, uh, anyway, and I, I think I maybe they are to an extent. I, I, I think, um, uh, listen, it, it's it's very frustrating um, the way that, you know, it has been like a sort of wall of silence uh, from the Celtic board, but I think I said this last week when I was on, their sort of view of it might just be don't add to the circus. You know, there's 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 so much noise out there. Um, why not? There's you know not it's best not to add to it. What I um, thought last week was as well. I thought Francis made a brilliant point on on Friday night when he did say about it might be partly due to some sort of arrangement that um, Eddie Howe financially is still on at Bournemouth. Um, Celtics sort of resident journalist or Peter Lawwell's sort of he's regarded as the closest uh, Lawwell's closest advisor in the media is uh, Stephen McGowan of the Daily Mail and he was on Clyde One last week and you know it's not hang me for a, a journalist to sort of come away with stuff like that but he did say if he was a betting man that he if he had his last tenor he would still put it on Eddie Howe so I think you know again he is a you know, a, a journalist, a print media journalist, but although it's frustrating that he is a Daily Mail journalist, he does have Peter Lawwell's ear, and a lot of what he does say does seem to come to fruition. I accept that it might well not end up being Eddie Howe, and that, you know, this process has probably gone on a lot longer than it should have, but as much as it's time for a for change at Celtic, I think it's also a time for calm. I, I do not foresee... Uh, an instance where the season book renewal forums go out and we're still no further forward. I really don't see that happening. Um, I can't. I can't bring myself to think that we're that disorganised. I think we're probably doing things the way that we normally do them, which is slow um, and frustrating. If you're just wanting some news, some some sort of clear cut, some sort of headline that you can get behind uh, that's based on fact, but at the moment. But I think we're just going to have to sit and wait a little while longer. Yeah, I, I, I think it would bring up some good points there. For me, as I said before, just go on record saying again, I don't believe Eddie Howe is going to be the next Sally Football Club manager. Personally, I think he's trying to keep his options open for a job down south. And I hate the fact that a manager of a, a calibre like Eddie Howe should be doing that at a club like Celtic. If he's holding out for teams down there, let him be, let him go. I said it on Twitter, we don't have time to chase people. We needed a plan in place. And I don't buy into the whole narrative they're doing things slow. How slow do they want to go? Like, seriously, this has been before Christmas. We've seen this disaster unfold before our, our eyes, the supporters. They must have seen it far, far earlier than this. They should have been on the ball. They should have got a name, someone through the door, announced it to the fans, and look forward to the next season. But again, we're left in limbo. Up Shets Creek without a paddle. We're stuck with John Kennedy, John Kennedy at the minute, who has no tactics. He's basically useless in the dugout, along with the IT guy. But that's that's my stance on it. I've been vocal about that. But just to move on, I mean, move on from that. Hi, can you? But <laughs> just to move on. So for me, right, we've seen a lot of success. Anthony always talks about it. We've seen the, the trebles. We've seen the Kraduper trebles. And 
with right back to Martin O'Neill, the um, Gordon Strachan, right through to Lennon in his first spell, uh, Delia and Rogers back to Lennon again. We've seen another success in Celtic over the last couple of decades. But for you guys, I'll come to yourself, Ross, first. What defines a successful manager at Celtic Football Club? Um, titles. League titles, to be specific. Uh, they're the most would, important. Would, just for what? example, would would one trophy out of nine suit you? Would that be successful? Uh, well, I, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> aye, league titles. Uh, if you sprinkle cups on top of that, then even better. Uh, and Celtic have done more than sprinkle uh, these last four years. Um, so you could say that's a successful period. I think we all know that. Uh, I mean, a great team that wins the league, uh, at least one trophy usually goes hand in hand with that. Uh, but to win, to win one title, you would say is a success in its own right. But if you only win one and say three or four, then that can't be deemed a successful tenure. Uh, in my opinion, uh, you have to win multiple titles to be to get the label a success, or I don't know to to quit Pugh Keevans serial winners. Uh, but I uh, sum up multiple league titles, for example, like three and five, some cups in your tenure. A European run is a bonus, but uh, it's it's not a must in the current market that we operate in. But I. I to touch on it, one title and or one trophy in nine is not a successful period. Uh, it's a successful or a, a successful league campaign, not a successful season because part two he took ups and all. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right, Ross. There, I think as well as you said, something have done more than sprinkle. They've kind of overdoses with cups and trophies and fantastic memories that we'll we'll never ever forget. That the side of Scott Brown and. The good triple winning captain and stuff. That's a success. That that's a team that we all came to love. And we always said that this season, it's just been one of them seasons where we just put out the white flag. But John, in, in your opinion, for this new manager coming in, we speak about success, right? Like this is a point that I've tried to make before. Would you accept another season of like a rebuild with no trophy at the end of it, maybe a cup? Would would that be acceptable for you if you've seen progress? Mm, it's a difficult question to answer because it depends on the, the size of the rebuild at hand uh, and what tools the manager or whoever has been brought in, what he's been given in order to make that happen um, and how much control he has over it because I think any manager coming into a new club needs time to implement his, his ideas and um, how they play and everything like that and if you've got a massive rebuild on the, on the card as well then you're going to need to bring in players and then make sure that they're buying into that so it, it it's a difficult one to answer. Do I want? I believe a club like Celtic and and the, the, the sort of the, the circumstance that we're in, we should be absolutely playing for a, a league title every year. Um, would uh, if hypothetically, if a manager comes into Celtic uh, in next season, if we don't win the league, then to, on the manner of how that league played out would depend on whether or not I would accept that. If it went similar to this season and it was just an absolute mess, um, there was no tactical guidance, there was nothing that seemed to show that there was any progress being made, then I wouldn't be happy with it and questions would need to be asked. But if you put up a fight, if you're trying and taking everything else into consideration in regards to the rebuild 
uh, in the time it takes to implement your ideas and get everything, get everybody on board and things like that, then, I mean, I, we all ideally we want to win the league back straight away next year. That's, yep. by and large, our bread and butter, that's what we need, right? But we need to look at the size of the job at hand. We don't know how many players yet are leaving. Uh, a few have left already, but we still don't know the full extent yet. Um, so it really depends on who's who who's coming in, um, but how many players he's going to have to actually replace, uh, and what kind of sort of financial muscles being put behind making that harm and, and making us a success again. If it's a good manager, then he'll definitely do that. He'll put up a fight in his first year, uh, and we'll definitely be in, in the in the running for the the, the league again next season. Uh, I fully believe that that's going to be the case anyway, but. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't see. Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is, I, w- I would not see it as a failure if we didn't win the league, depending on the size of the job and the the like I say, is the batting that the manager gets for the board in terms of making it happen, the rebuild. I think that's actually a brilliant point. We all week on week, this rebuild's getting bigger, especially with no news coming out of Celtic Park at the moment. So you're you're kind of sitting hoping for next season, and, and as you said. It depends on the financial muscle behind this new manager coming in, if he can rebuild that straight away or if it's going to take a year, year and a half to get the squad in place and get the team playing the way that the new manager wants to. Now, coming to yourself, Anthony, for for you for next season, what are you looking for? And we talked about like the times the types of success. Now, this is the frustrating part to me, right? We've seen the other the other team across the city getting parked out of both both uh, cup competitions. Likewise we did too, so I'm not saying too much about it. But it just shows you, if we actually laid a glove on them this season, maybe it could have been different. Now, for next season, as John rightly said, depending on the size of this rebuild in hand, are you expecting a title challenge? Or at least to be in there within within touch and distance? I expect nothing less than the league title back at Celtic Park next season. If we were going up against a team if the, the of uh, the sort of superstars of Ibrox of the sort of O'Neill era where the, uh, Dick Advocate had a, an absolute plethora of, you know, internationals or if the new manager coming in was going up against a sort of middle of the road team but that was, you know, led by a guy with the years of experience such as, you know, perhaps Walter Smith and the way that Neil did when he got the job in 2010 then I would perhaps be, you know, not happy but I would understand if uh, if we didn't win the league, um, not this mob. This mob are an absolute joke. That they, they are the most boring, predictable, one-dimensional excuse of a football seed team I think I've ever seen. And our biggest, the biggest sort of crime that we can accuse our players of this season is no laying a glove on them, like you say, Stephen. It's that this team folds under pressure every time. They they thought they'd won the cup last weekend when they knocked us out. They were they thought the double was won. And the minute they came up against a bit of pressure from a determined side, they folded. Just like they folded in the League Cup. The idea that this mob are invincible is an absolute joke. And I expect nothing less, nothing less than the league title back with us next season. I don't care if we have to sign 20 players, 30 players. Any manager worth their salt coming in there with a bit of support, with the fans back in, ready to go again, especially with what's... It's not just the league title that is at stake next year. It's automatic entry into the Champions League, and that just gets the pendulum right back at the side of the city where it belongs. The idea that we can even think about coming second to this mob again is... I, I can't even 
I can't even process that. The league title, minimum next season, back where it belongs. <clears throat> I, I usually call you the port of the group, Anthony, but by Jesus, you've been on form tonight. You've, you've been on form. <laughs> so you have, you, I think this is the most angriest, frustrated I've ever heard you on a podcast, but wow, it's welcome and you make some fantastic points. <laughs> for, for me, I firmly believe, like we all do, but we're trying to just give different, different views of it, of course, but there's nothing less than the league title for us next season. I looked at you look across the city, as you said, Anthony, they're not full of internationals. You've got the likes of McGregor, Davis, yes, but they're campaign players. You need to fit teams around that. And no doubt they'll lose players and we'll probably gain some more players in regards to the rebuild. And any manager, as you say, who has a bit of tactical awareness, a bit of flair about them, will get that team back and galvanised and hopefully challenging and winning that league title. And along with the Cups as well. I think it's, it's the bar we've set, isn't it, over the last nine years or so. And people call us entitled, call us spoiled, but it's not... It's the standard Celtic set. It was so high. It was way up. And this season, it's been way down. It's like the players chucked it. Maybe players wanted away. Celtic didn't let them leave. Lee Lennon actually alluded to that in one of his earlier press conferences, that players wanted to leave, and then it went silent. We actually spoke to JP Mason about that. And he, he gave us his point of view, which was very interesting, in regards to players who were just kind of forced to stay. Maybe again, not against their will, but certain promises were made and not kept and maybe that affected morale within the dressing room but again that's not an excuse I'm not here to make excuses for us this season we've been a shambles and yes the better team across the city won the league for anyone who's listening from, from that persuasion but if you if you look at it as well coming up again uh, it seems to be quite the norm now these derby games are coming thick and fast aren't they but coming to you Ross looking at this one come up in the weekend I was actually I was scratching my head during the weekend there wondering why Celtic weren't playing but then I forgot we're in the cup <laughs> do you know what I mean so there was, there was no game for us but is it do you are you feeling the same going into this game is the same blood still pumping you want to get a result you want to see Celtic play because we've seen the, the previous Derby game not the cup one even worse the cup one but the previous Derby game was kind of like a friendly feel wasn't it um I, I I still I still feel like well I mean no as pumped up as if it was like a, a like points were up for grabs meaningful points were up for grabs but you're still up for the game uh, you still want to win the game especially given the fact that we've not beat them uh, this season um, but I I mean I, I still I, I firmly believe that we can beat them uh, we've been the better team in the game in three out of the, the four games so far and we've no won any of them evidently uh, you can't even you can't even say Rangers have like limited given us limited opportunities and been comfortable in the three games that I'm talking about because we've missed countless guilt edge chances uh, but isn't it through bad luck they've just They've just been passed up, and it's uh, that's the most frustrating part. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here saying that I think we can win, uh, having lost the league to them and uh, no beating them this season. And Rangers fans will probably, if if they listen to this, they would probably sit and laugh at me. But I mean, us being better than them in the three games still it gives me confidence we can win. And I mean, the way average you say. An out-of-form confidence shot team should beat a bang-average team at least once for five games. Uh, I just uh, And that's what they are. They're bang-average, as, as Anthony touched on. And it's that's that's the, the killer this season, is that we have basically 
given this title to them. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You, mm-hmm. You've got to them. They've won. They've won. <coughs> enough for their games they've not been beating the league but they've they've been under absolutely no pressure whatsoever for the word go and they've I don't care what anybody says people can say conspiracy and all the rest of it. it's not a conspiracy it's there to see with your eyes that they've had a massive rub of the green this year they are they are no a good team they're they're buying average and Celtic have just been absolutely rank rotten and are needing a freshen up and like Anthony says, next season, if we we get a manager in who's worth his salt and we back him how he should be and he gets everything that he wants, there's no reason why we can't go next year and at, at minimum win the league title. We should win the league title because if if we if we care, we we go out there and beat them. But half the team Danny care right now, and that's the problem. Because we've got—I don't care. I, I agree with Kennedy. I think on paper we've got better players than Rangers throughout the team. Uh, maybe well, say throughout the team, no the goalie, uh, and <laughs> maybe a couple of Rangers. Rangers are a well-organised unit now at the back, and you can't take that away from them. But as regards players going forward, we've got the better players, and that's that's just a fact. But these players are being badly coached at the minute and their confidence is shot. And if they if they get the right manager in and have a vision and tactics, Celtic will win that league next year. I've no doubt in my mind that they will. Yeah. Because they yeah. are no as good as everybody thinks. Well, speaking about players who don't care and the guilt of chances, we have missed during the Derby games. I have to slightly disagree with you, Ross. I mean, I think... The second half of the cup game, Razors has kind of sat back and they kind of let us have the ball. It was kind of more like a, a training match, or a, not a training match, but it was like a, a friendly feeling for the second half of them. They've done their job. So. We still, still made chances. They, they sat back and let us have the ball. Wrap that pish, man. Chances. Rangers I, I are never think, sitting back against us. I, I don't think, I, I personally don't think, you can say whatever you want, but my opinion is if we were the better team in the three games, we should have took the chances and won. It's all ifs and buts again. We didn't win. We'll have to get over that fact. And speaking of players who, who don't care and don't want to be at the club and miss these chances, John, I'll come to you for this. This is a big talking point among Celtic fans in a minute. Would you start Eddie? No. Elaborate. It, 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 well, we know he doesn't want to be there. We know that there's like a 99.9% chance he's at the door. The games this so far this season he has played against him, normally, yeah, I, you would be like, we have to start Eddie. He's... A, he, he's uh, the guy for, for scoring goals, but he's done nothing, and he's not been the guy. So, no, and, and uh, I wouldn't start him again because I, I don't have the confidence that he would make a difference. So, no, I, I, I wouldn't start him at all. I'd start Lee. Ooh, Lee, <laughs> I don't know about that, but that, but see, see as well, John, come to you again. Like Ross give give a good account of the game and stuff, and if they occur, they will want Celtic players will want to go out and beat them. And win the game for us fans. There's a bit of pride towards the end of the season. We've been saying this pride work and this pride word for the last for for every many months now. And again, it's not coming up, and we've lost these games, and we haven't turned up. But going into the game at the weekend this weekend coming up, John, are you confident going into the game? Do you, do you expect a, a performance? <coughs> I mean, we all expected the cup, but it didn't show up. So, why, what gives you the confidence that maybe they can do it again? Can I just say as well, um, I, what Anthony said, a passionate response, by the way. 
I fully and 100% agree with. And what Ross said as well, I'm completely on board with. We have shown against them, we haven't been clinical in front of goal. We've missed guilt-edge chances, which is it, it's absolutely shite luck. It, it, well, whether you want to call it luck or no, but we've not been clinical enough. We've not been finishing the chances we're creating. And that's been the story of our season across the board. But against them, we have shown we have been the better team and things just haven't gone our way. So I that kind of gives me confidence that we are more than capable of getting a result against them. It's just whether or no we've got the right guys on the park and whether they're up for it or no, and whether we're taking those chances. And I think I feel like if we we can do that again, like we have done in three of the previous games, if if we can control the game, we can create those chances, and we actually do something with them, we can finish them, then we'll 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 win. And I, I firmly believe that. And because, like you said, they. And I've said this on previous episodes of this podcast as well. They are absolutely the guys talk some bang average, maybe even it's it. The, the, I don't see what the hype about them is. This pish about Gerard being right, okay, stop the ten, uh, and he'll he'll be a legend for that, right? I get that, but he's not been a success at the club. He's won one trophy in nine, and it's been a trophy, and. It was gifted to them. It was gift wrapped and handy to them on a plate because we've been absolutely woeful. There's been no challenge, no pressure, as Ross said. When they're under pressure, they, 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 they fold. And if we can put the pressure on them next week and we can actually finish our chances, it's not just a case of... Because we can control the game. You can dominate a game. But if you're not scoring, then you're not going to win. So, aye, I, 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 do I believe we're the better side on paper? Aye, do I believe we're the better club on the day? On our day, when we're playing as we know we can play, absolutely. Do I feel we can get a result on Sunday? Absolutely. But we need to finish our chances. And as I said, just going to touch on back on Eddie. Eddie has been great for us in terms in previous seasons, scoring goals against him, right? And you would still, even though he's been kind of called recently, you would still maybe say, well, he's the best man to start against him, right? But given the chances he's missed and the, the, the chances he's... I just I wouldn't start him though. No. I think we need something fresh. And mm-hmm. you you, you kind of scoffed a bit when I said I'd start Lee, right? Uh, has Lee been fouling North Cylinders this season? No, but he's not started most of the games. So right, but he works, and you just need to watch him. The positions he gets himself into, he chases every ball. He, he works for it. Like we need that for the very for the the minute the whistle blows to start the game to the, the when it ends. Who have we got Clamalas away, right? So if you're not starting Eddie, you're going to... Um, who are you going to... It depends on what, your formation because you could you could go with Lee and Ayeti depending on what formation you're putting. I'd start, the, I'd start the base of them up front together. Aye, Ross, and I would agree, like I said, but Eddie wouldn't start for me. No. Because yeah. he's, 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 been, he's not been firing uh, this season. He's no, and uh, against them especially... He's done nothing. Doesn't yeah. care enough. If, no, if he's dropped, he knows he's at the door and he's not playing for anything at this point. And yeah. I don't feel like Lee knows the magnitude of this, right? And Ayeti maybe doesn't. Edward, whether he does or no, is another matter. He's not been playing like he cares. Lee, for all, all, all we can badmouth from about being unfit and whatever else is going on behind the scenes. You just need to see him on the park. He chases every ball. He gets himself into positions. We know how clinical he is in front of goal. We know that he's... 
Well, well, like see as well. We can, we can all possibly see that we expect to get a result, and I get the I get the argument in regards to Lee Griffiths and stuff. But for me, his time for me at Celtic's done, and I'm not being harsh. But the guy's he's had his problems. Yes, Celtic's been there for him and seen him through those problems. But again, he hasn't showed any. He hasn't repaid us. He gave us a season five years ago where he scored forty goals, and that's five years ago, guys. We're not going to get the same Lee Griffiths, and you say he works hard. Yes, that's granted. He, no, it wasn't even as far as five years ago, Stephen, because up until Rogers left, he, he had a great partnership with Eddie, and he was he was playing good football. And I mean, you you're looking at a guy that since the, the new management changes came in, hasn't been getting his chances. Uh, he's not really been getting the game time either. You you can put that down to a number of reasons why. I mean, it's all. Here's yeah, it, like, no. There's a number of reasons why he maybe wasn't he playing, right? But you know when he's on the park, you know you've got a goal scorer on your park, right? You know, naturally, he's probably one of the best finishers in the country. And yeah. you know what he's capable of. And at that, you don't just lose that. And you can no. see when he's on the park, when he was... Uh, he fights for everything. And that's what you need, as I said. So I think it's unfair to say... And I've, I've seen, not just yourself, and there's many Celtic fans saying his time at the club's done. I think he deserves a chance under a new manager. Somebody that can lift his head, give him the opportunity to show what he's capable of because it wasn't that long ago we were saying that he was tipped to, to go for a big money move, potentially. So, No, that again, that's fair enough. I mean, everyone has their opinions, Lee Griffiths. I have mine, you have yours. The, the folks who, who listen have their own as well. But again, I don't want, I don't want us to run on and go off on the tangent here because I know we're, we're pushed for time and stuff like that. But... Anthony, I come to you just to round off the, the segment in regards to the game coming this weekend, the Derby game. What's your thinking, and are you much of the same mindset as uh, Ross and John? Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, like Ross says, we've played well enough or shown enough uh, sort of class and, and, and spells in most of the games this season and created enough chances, certainly, in them uh, to win games if we were you know, a bit more clinical in front of goal. So, yeah, it'll be tough. Don't get me wrong. It's uh, Again, it's it's over at Ibrox, so it's going to be, you know, in theory, more difficult than what it would be uh, if you were at home. But, you know, I, th- I, I would... I don't see any reason why we can't win the game. You know, St. Johnston have had their number twice in the space <laughs> of the last seven days. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't go there and win. Um, but again, it's just like what we talk about in the build-up shows. We need to be on it right for the start and be switched on and take our chances when they come. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a perfect way that they end, end the segment in terms of the show, guys. And we're all passionate about what we do. That's evident and what we've heard today. Anthony, Ross and John have been fantastic. But just before we end the show, we're going to move on to the, the fun side, the quiz. So <laughs> a wee bit of, a wee bit of, my ears are actually burning. I'm not even joking. My ears are on fire. But we're going to go to, we're going to, go to the quiz. And the, today is between Anthony and Ross. John's taking the back seat because, I mean, his, his record's absolutely horrendous. But <laughs> <laughs> I won't touch on that too much. But, guys, if you're ready, it's five questions. Just know the drill. If you're ready, let me know. Yep. yep. Yeah, go for it, mate. No worries. So, August 27th, 2000, year 2000. 6-2 six, six, game. Yeah, the 6-2 game. So, Celtic 6, Rangers 2. In the last minute... Sutton scored his second from a cross from the left. Who provided the cross? Stefan Mahe. Stefan Mahe. Yeah, that's one down for me. All right. Here we go. In which city, nice easy one for you guys. In which city did Celtic play the 2003 FA Cup final? Seville. That was Ross for me, so that's one each. Okay. 
after Martin Lee took over at Celtic, who were the first team to take a point from Celtic Park? Motherwell. Nope. Over Dundee. to you. No, one more guess, each is. Hubs. Hubs. Yeah, 2-1. Uh, 2-1 definitely. <coughs> Who was Celtic's first ever manager? Wally Mealy. Oh, Helen Mealy. Anthony yes. brings it home, 3-1. And guys, <laughs> I, I want to thank you again for a fantastic show. I mean, said every week, we're, we just basically put it all out there and people will criticise, people will come along with us in this journey and we're happy to hear everyone's opinions and take it on board. The, the support we're receiving so far is fantastic. And a big shout out to John, my co-host, I said before the show, he gets it on YouTube, Spotify and iTunes. So any problems, go to heaven. No more joking. He, he's the guy, he's the, <laughs> he's the guy gets it up there. We, we make the product. I'm the host. We get it on. And Anthony and Ross as regular show contributors. Guys, thanks very much. It's been fantastic. Have you enjoyed this episode? Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed it. Um, first time I think it's just sort of it, me and Ross have been on on a show that's not been you know part of a you know one of the extravaganzas. Yeah. So yeah, I was really looking forward to tonight and great having having John on as well. Uh, I, I think the four uh, really works well. So yeah, loved it. Uh, well, yeah, as we said, as we said at the start of the show as well, freeze a crowd, isn't it, guys? So it went with the four and it worked well. And um, just before we go, just to let the listeners know, the end of sounds rewinds back. Me and Ryan are going to be doing that. It's going to be available before the end of this week, maybe the weekend. We're going to deep dive into Martin Lee's first season at Celtic, just to bring back some glory days, happy times for Celtic. We've had loads of them, but we just want to transport you back to the season when. And then we'll have other specials, our guest series with John Hearn, Patrick McNally. There's so much to look for and so much to choose from. Go on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, have a look, see what takes your fancy and have a listen. And until Friday, a regular podcast, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel.